as she crossed the threshold of Crest's house, Cassandra thought that those steps would literally be the most decisive of her life. Nothing would ever be the same again. She had decided to allow herself a future and perhaps if she played her cards right even a happy ending it wasn't time to bullshit and it wasn't time to fix every inconvenience with some magic trick and this terrified her and then there was Pat whom she had always perceived as an extension of her being and that she never wanted to endanger with her choice to trust Cochrane. Pat was her family and no one could have hurt him without being accountable to her. Not even Crests to assistance were able to distract Cassandra, who in fact rushed to check that Pat was there somewhere and that he was okay. As soon as Pat saw her almost run into the lounge where he, Carmenate, Crest and Amy were killing time as best they could. He jumped up like a spring and ran to meet her. Pat and Cassandra finally embraced and looked at each other for a few moments to communicate that they were fine and that there was nothing to worry about. Because, however things went, they had found each other. Cochrane, who had also entered the room, had watched the scene in silence and was desperately trying to dismiss all the legitimate doubts that were growing in his mind. The Pat factor had not been taken into consideration and this brand new frailty was making him feel unbearably vulnerable. It was at that moment that Cassandra came back to him holding out her hand As you know, is my family, she told him. Demolishing all his paranoia about her with a simple sentence imbued with truth. And in that gesture, so eloquently delicate, Pat understood that his path and Cassandra's had separated 
Pat and Cochrane shook hands, long and almost to seal a handover. Cassandra felt new, Cochrane felt relieved, and Pat felt he was in a kind of pneumatic vacuum. Crest's assistants invited Cassandra and Cochrane to sit down and brought them drinks. Cassandra laughed. There was no situation that could silence her sense of humour. And the only other person in that room who seemed to appreciate it was Crest. Ah, I'm tempted to ask you for a taste of your magic. But here we must think seriously about what to do first. Is that not so, Gareth? Meanwhile, Carmenate and Amy watch the whole scene in silence without saying anything as mute witnesses to a balancing act, something greater than the two of them. Pat and Cassandra sat down again, while Cochrane and Crest entered the other room to talk undisturbed. Well, it certainly can't be said that they weren't exceptional months, Carmenate said, to bring everyone back to an acceptable level of communication. Cassandra burst out laughing, this time followed by Amy, and then even by Crest's two assistants. Pat still looked in shock and was struggling to get back into the game. Carmenate patted him on the shoulder and handed him his cell phone. The opening theme of a 70s show Sapphire and Steel was being played on YouTube and those images paradoxically seemed to bring Pat back to reality. Meanwhile, in the other room, Crest and Cochrane were preparing for an important and atypical confrontation. Until a few weeks earlier, in fact, neither of them would have bet anything on the possibility of having to negotiate the interest of a loved one. Crest saw a solution to his problem. Cochrane wanted 
to protect Cassandra, even though it was against his professional integrity. Cochrane held the destiny of Cassandra in his hands in some way. If he played it by the book, her life was in jeopardy. If he did the right thing, Cassandra would be safe. Cress thought himself, Cochrane is an intelligent man, hardly an ideologue. Crest approached Cochrane and said, We both share an interesting dilemma, my friend. What matters most? Our professional moral integrity or the lives of those we care about? I have no respect for systems, Cochrane. My main area of concern is Amy, and I will explain to you now why that is so. She broke the law. She murdered a man who murdered her soul in the most brutal, savage way possible. I will spare you the details. It was Whitaker. Cochrane knew where this was going. Crest just let it hang in the silence, letting it slowly work its way through to Cochrane. Crest added, You have a similar issue with Cassandra. I would be more than happy to oblige you with your wishes. Should you be willing to reciprocate regarding Amy, you can trust me because you know that Amy is my priority. And I would never do anything to jeopardize her in any way. And I think that I can trust you for the same reason regarding Cassandra. Cochrane nodded. It was not the first time he had found himself having to come to terms with his principles to resolve uncomfortable situations. But it was the first time he felt compelled to do it for personal interest. Back with the others, he just had to glance at Cassandra to make her understand that she would be safe. Crest had done the same with Amy. He shook her hand and he fell free and finally understood by someone. I would say that all of us present here have implicitly 
and explicitly entered a confidentiality pact. It is a domino. There can be no failure. I hope you are all aware of it, Cochrane said, with an almost solemn air. A tacit agreement filled the room, then the mechanical girls began to roam among the guests again to pamper them, engaging in a strange minuet that made the situation even more surreal. What will become of us? Pat asked, bringing everyone back to the reality of the moment. Cochrane drank his coffee, then cleared his throat. You and Cassandra will have our protection. The protection of the FBI, I mean. That's because you helped us solve the case of the serial killings. Pat rolled his eyes. Cassandra did the same. For real? Carmenate asked, not caring about appearing younger and more naive than usual. Cochrane looked at Amy. She must have known more than she confessed to Crest, and he wanted to challenge fate. Amy closed her eyes in the face of the absurdity of that moment. Her blind loyalty to a uniform seemed absolutely out of place. I hid behind an investigation. The one on the serial snipers. I knew Whitaker was following the lead. But I didn't know he was keeping an eye on Cassandra and Pat as well. You must believe me because it is the truth. The latest element picked up by Whitaker led us straight to an inmate of Hazelton, a woman indicted for tax fraud and he was thought to be the sponsor of this homicidal network. A woman who helps women get revenge then. Interesting, Cassandra commented. Cochrane looked at Carmenate, who seemed increasingly appalled by the continuing developments of that evening. How do you think we should proceed? He asked him provocatively. Expecting a heartfelt reaction. I wouldn't turn Pat 
and Cassandra into the Witness Protection Program. We know they would be safe, but they would also be unreachable, and I don't think this is what they want. Frankly, I don't think you would stand it, and the alternative would be even worse. Think about the type of tests they would be subjected to. Well, there are times when life asks us questions and we need to step up, senor. Cress jumped up. Well said, my boy. We will not let anyone treat our friends like two circus freaks. Kristen and Samantha applauded vigorously. Let's make a deal, Pat broke in. I can't stand it anymore to hear you talk as if Cassandra and I were not here as well. I realize that the situation is absurd. But Cassandra and I have not done anything terrible. We are not criminals. Maybe there is a way. Give us new identities and we will collaborate. I am ready. And I believe Cassandra is ready too. Cassandra laughed. Negotiating our identities seems like the most random thing you have ever heard. It is as if we were offering air for air. It seems to me the perfect conclusion to the story. Cochrane felt lighter. He had ascertained the absolute complicity of Carmenate and the intention of all to remain faithful to this pact. But above all, he had admitted to himself that he had tied body and soul to Cassandra and her inappropriate and peculiar sense of humour. The ringing of Carmenate's cell phone brought everyone back to the moment and on their toes. Detective Cochrane, there was a strong explosion in Misery Mountain. Many injured victims, certainly. Cochrane narrowed his eyes. Meditation had taught him to look at everything from a different perspective, from a safe distance so as to be able to objectify any problem, any obstacle, 
Okay, Rommel. Let's see if we can close the circle. He said, walking to the door. After throwing a kiss at Cassandra, she reciprocated as Crest's assistants began an a cappella singing Put Yourself in My Place by the Supremes. <laughs> 